Welcome to the Start of Grind podcast. Starting a company is not for the faint of heart. They're always questioning, 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 tweaking, tweaking, tweaking. Where we talk to entrepreneurs, venture capitalists, and thought leaders about how to build a great company. Like my friends, like you think you're crazy. I think you got to be a little nuts. And change the world in the process. We optimize for impact instead of profit. It's never been a more exciting time to be an entrepreneur. From Startup Grind chapters across the globe. A chapter director for Cape Town. Boise, Idaho. In London. Mala Palestine. Guangzhou, China. And delivered to you every Monday and Wednesday. It's a startup grind. Hey there and welcome to Wednesday's episode of the Startup Grind podcast. Today we have a talk from our Charleston, South Carolina chapter featuring serial entrepreneur and investor Ami Shah. Amish started his first company in 1998 when he was just 25. He has a proven track record in leadership, sales, marketing, strategy, and recruiting. Venture capital firms, C-level executives, and founders of early and mid-stage startups from around the globe call on him directly for his consultation and advisement before making major decisions that have an impact on their bottom line. Amish's passion is contagious to the people around him, and his results-oriented approach of getting things done, paired with his success over the years, have given him a keen eye for his firm, Sierra Maya 360, when evaluating potential investments. He is also a frequent guest on CNBC, Bloomberg, and Fox News. Let's listen in to Amish Shah, interviewed by our Startup Grind director, Jeremy Berman, in Charleston. So with that, let's open up with, when did you know you wanted to become an entrepreneur, and what did you do to take that first step? Wow. Um, gosh. I don't think you ever know if you're going to be an entrepreneur, right? I grew up in New Jersey, and... Uh, Pretty humble beginnings by the projects of Newark, New Jersey. Anybody from New Jersey out there? Oh, well, Jeff, you don't Mom. count. There you go. Mom, Mom, family is good enough. How about, how many people, this is interesting, in Charlotte, there's like 90% of the crowd usually is from out of state. How many people are from out of state? All right, there we go. Cool. There we go. So, uh, you know, you never, we, we had humble beginnings, and my father was more in that corporate world. He was a PhD from St. John's, taught there in the pharmacy world. He wanted me to be a nurse. A nurse, not even yeah, a doctor. This is a serious story. So um, you want to be anything but a nurse. You don't know what you want to be. But, um, you know, I always had those jobs. You always made me work. Tough love when I was 12, 13. Mm-hmm. I mean, even elementary school, I'm selling erasers and pencils to these kids or whatever. So, you know, I think um, you never know what you want to do, especially growing up in, you know, 42. I'm a little older than all of you folks here, well, at least most of you. But, uh, you know, being an entrepreneur wasn't cool in the 90s. Uh, what was cool is being a stockbroker, being on Wall Street, because I'm from the New Jersey area, or being a doctor. Any Indians out there, you know your parents like you to be a doctor, right? He's laughing over here. But um, no, I mean, my first job was right out of, um, you know, right out of college. I was actually, it's funny, you go to these events, I'm in a fraternity, I'm with my girlfriend at the time, and I'm just hanging out with my fraternity, and you never know who you're going to meet. So that's why I'm a big believer coming down to Charleston, you never know, you know, how I can help you guys. But we'll get into that in a second. I don't think you ever know to be an entrepreneur, but the, the answer to the story real quick is my first job out of, out of college was I was talking to a booth okay. at Fairleigh Dickens University because my parents made me transfer from the, the school that originally was well, the University of Scranton, which is a Jesuit school in Pennsylvania. But uh, I spoke to them. They were headhunters for software companies. Okay. And so it wasn't entrepreneurial, but I knew kind of that world because my brother was in that <coughs> industry. And three years later, since we're on the fast track, um, you know, I worked for the firm. I was the number one guy in Manhattan. Uh, after that, I started my own company at 25. I still have it. It's called Millennium Search. We're one of the top recruiting firms for the high tech. Uh, in the 90s, I had Mark Andreessen as a client. When he had 30 people at Netscape, I think everybody knows who he is, or you know, you should. Sure. Uh, Steve Jobs, I think everybody knows who he is. He was a client when he was at Next at the time. So, I mean, my Rolodex ran deep from the venture capitalists that are today to all these 
entrepreneurs that had three, four exits, and I built my company on Silicon Valley without ever being in Silicon Valley, which is hard to do. So, you know, that just tells you through relationships and results. And, you know, I'm not a corporate guy. My wife works at Bank of America, and I knew that I just always wanted to be an entrepreneur. Does that make sense? Long, long answer to your short question. No, that's good. When yeah. I spoke to Jeff earlier and I was prepping for this, he said, you got to get one story out of Amish. Amish. Mm -hmm. And he said to ask you, how did you get that first job? That's funny. So uh, while I'm at that job expo, you could call it, a career fair, um, the guy heard me talk, really good looking guy like George Clooney wearing an Armani suit, so it catches your eye, you know, and uh, he literally said, you sounded great, but do you have a resume? I'm like, yeah, I got a resume. So I ran to my car, which is like a beat up Honda Accord at the time, and uh, you know, I had a summer resume that literally said, I'm looking for a summer employment position. <laughs> so anybody still use whiteout? <laughs> okay, neither do I, thank God. I got white out and I scribble in. He said he was looking for someone aggressive. So I took my blue pen and I wrote down aggressive. And I gave, <laughs> and I gave it to him. And uh, since the doors are shut, I can swear. But uh, he's like, man, you got balls. He goes, you need to come talk to me. So that was it. And uh, that was it from there. So I like it. And how many years did you spend there before you started? So three your years. And then I was the number one guy. And at 25, I started my own company. All right. And start your own company, it's, I mean, it's a big change, right? Big change. What big do you, change. What my do you, father did not want me to do it, going back to the family roots. Not secure, no salary, no benefits, and I told him, there's no better time than now. No sure. kids, no wife, no mortgage, right? There's no better now time. I got three mortgages, two kids, and a wife. That's right. Well, I think, <laughs> I think you've done all right, proof them wrong. So you're 25, you decide to go out, you're going to do this on your own, um, you've been working for another guy for a few years, you yep. start a similar firm. Like, what's your first move? How do you put your name on the map and get some of those big clients like you talked about? So it's hustle. You know, I'm big on hustle. I mean, uh, you know, especially if you're an entrepreneur here, you guys are all going to come across people um, everywhere, from Dick South, which is representing today. Those are great places to run into someone and uh, just take a chance. I mean, I love it when people come up to me. I mean, I love, there was someone that had a business card on my car yeah. and that said, hey, you're the, this is the kind of car, and you're the kind of person we want to do custom clothes for. Then she did it again. Then she did it again, so I tweeted it. I'm like, whoever you are, you're awesome. And I told the company. And then I called her. I said, you know what? You did that four times in four months. We, you deserve to yeah. at least talk to me. So it's really hustle. I mean, you're never, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of sacrifice. Some of you probably have, uh, you know, kids and a wife or a husband, and it's tough. You know, you, you, it's really tough. I'm going to press you on this. I'm yeah. curious. How did you land Steve Jobs? It was actually not that hard because my brother worked with someone that uh, was the manager at the time for the East Coast. Okay. And he actually went to that role and uh, it was pretty easy to get Steve Jobs. Because he was at Next. It wasn't Apple. All right. I feel like everyone that's met Steve Jobs is a Steve Jobs Never story. Never met him. You have a, yeah, well, you yeah. talked to him at yeah. least, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got a Steve Jobs story to share? I mean, you know what? He didn't really say much, right. I have to be honest, because he's more that design guy. You must have been doing your thing right. If, he, if Steve I mean, Jobs is on the other end yelling at you, you're doing, you're doing something right. They needed someone to hire. They said, hey, we want this guy. And, uh, you know, he just did a quick check, made sure I checked out. So it's a pretty boring story. Though, cool. I wish I could give you more. I, I still have the fee agreement with his name. So yeah. I never knew he was going to be as big as he was. But I still I actually have every fee agreement I ever had. Okay. So, yeah. That's fair. So you start the company. You start getting some big clients. You're seeing a little traction. Yeah. If I were to ask you at 27, you're into this two years, like what's the goal of this recruitment company? What would you have told me? So we actually grew it to, uh, you know, gosh, about two, 3,000 square feet, um, 15, 20 people. Okay. Um, so the goal was to take over the world. 
like it, it always is, right? So, yeah. but I mean, no, it's to scale, to grow, and uh, make a lot of money. When you're that young, you know, I came into money really young on my own, and I partied a lot. You know, I did everything you could think of: travel the world, had a lot of fun. Um, so it was nice. It was a nice freedom. But um, no, the goals are always to you know, we're very customer centric. Mm. So we're all about the reason why we're doing so well at CRMI 360, and I knew I would, is because of relationships. Mm-hmm. I still remember people from 20 years ago. They still remember me. I still get Christmas cards from the first, per, you know, employee number 12 at Informatica, okay. and she, you know, she's retired like eight years ago, yeah. at like 38 or something, and she walked away with 25 million. And I told her, you got to take this job and leave Sybase at the time, which is a big database <laughs> company. So, yeah, I mean. Um, it's really about doing the right thing, hustling, and relationships. Okay. Um, one of the things we talked about earlier was that entrepreneurship and starting a company, it's not easy, right? Like, there will be highs, but there will be equally sure. painful lows that you go through. During that process of growing your first company, was there a, a low that stands out as something that was really Yeah, absolutely. Pivotal? 9-11. I had 27 people I knew that uh, passed away. Um, not only emotionally and personally, I grew up in that area. Um, you know, I'd wake up, I lived in Edgewater. If anyone doesn't know New Jersey, it's right by the George Washington Bridge. And I could, the skyline, I could see the World Trade Center. Uh, I had the awesomest view, 18th floor, 40 people on the balcony, perfect bachelor pads. But anyway, uh, you know, you can see the Statue of Liberty, the World Trade Center, Empire State Building, GW. I'm right on the water. And then you wake up. And that morning I saw it, and you had no idea what was going to happen. I just came back from a trip to Venezuela. Um, and you know, going to work, and you just hear what happened. And then when I went back, it's just like this empty space. And not only did it just like affect the area, but affect the business, right? After 9 11, I mean, we also had the dot com crisis like right around that time. So, what really affected us was that um, that's when you really it really affected us because our clientele are really early to mid stage startups primarily. Mm-hmm. Then we realized we had to start working with the Oracles and the IBMs and the SAPs and deal with their recruiting staff. So, yeah. it was a different change, but you got to pivot, you know. Yeah, I understand. So how many years did you stay with that company? Is it still, still around today? Around. Still, still around. around. Yep. It actually gives us an unfair advantage when we're looking to do deals. Um, FanDuel, which a lot of you guys probably have accounts with, you know, came here from Scotland in 2011. They been, they, that's 17 people. We built up their New York office. Um, if I had a fund then, they were $10 million. They're a billion now, the 100X. Yeah. So it gives us an unfair advantage when we're looking at deals. Not just for the recruiting, because money is just part of it. Mm-hmm. As you know, having a startup, it's the team. Uh, we're big believers on you can't do anything without scaling with the team. So Millennium Search provides that. Uh, Sequoia sends us their clients. Andrews and Harwood sends us their clients. Greylock. So when we're looking at deals, I know who's hiring. I know who's firing. I know who lost their CTO, and nobody knows. Um, we know what competitors. We know what DraftKings was doing. Sure. You know? So you know, uh, it, it, it makes us... <clears throat> It gives us an unfair advantage in the VC world. Yeah, for sure. that's fair. So how many years in then did you start to get that thought where you're like, man, I'm getting all sure. this inside information. Maybe I should go out and raise So you know what? I started getting equity instead of getting a fee. I started getting equity in some companies. And maybe one out of six hit. But that one okay. that hit, you're making a couple million. Sure. And then the people I would place, they're walking away with millions. The uh, VCs are walking away with millions. And that's when I'm like, okay, 30 to 50K, 25K is nice. Per placement, mm-hmm. but it's nicer to get millions, right? So it really was. I felt like I watched what all these entrepreneurs uh, did. I mean, you know, if you look at our website at Millennium Search, we've had over 
the 300 companies exit, either through M&A or IPO. That's a lot, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've worked with over 200 VCs in one, some kind of capacity. So I really knew like what they were doing, what they were thinking, and I knew I could do it. I just needed the opportunity, but I always wanted to do it on my own. So very goals-oriented, when I turned 40, uh, I named Sierra Maya to transition into it since we're on the fast track. Let's do it. After my daughter. Her first name's Sierra, her middle name's Maya. Uh, so Sierra Maya Ventures was the original name. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's good. So what, <clears throat> last question about yeah. um, your company, then we'll switch over to the VC side. But I'm curious. The recruiting industry has been fairly consistent, I would say, in terms of the business model, right? You pay one fee for getting somebody, whether it's sure. part of the salary, it's an upfront fee. Um, I'm seeing a lot of startups now try to come up with innovative business models to try to crack yep. that. Um, what's your view on how that industry is going to transition, and is that something you're looking at going forward? That's a great question. You know, when I started in the industry, we are faxing resumes, and I have the worst handwriting, so what you knew when you got a resume for me, because you, yeah. you couldn't even read, like, the name or anything. But we started faxing resumes, then you, you know, we had no job boards, so to take you back for 20 years, from faxing resumes to actually having Monster and Ladders and all these job boards, then came LinkedIn, which changed the world, right? And now you have all these others that are trying to figure out the biggest, you know, hard part in Silicon Valley, <laughs> New York, Boston, and probably everywhere is tech talent. Mm -hmm. There's a shortage of tech talent. Um, so that's been the biggest. I mean, we could go get 100 jobs tomorrow that are looking for developers. So if there's any developers out there, you could ask for three times what you're making right now. Just don't tell anybody. <laughs> but uh, no, the reality is um, it, everything's changing. You know, yeah. every, the way we do business and everything's always going to change, but there's always going to be a need for what we do. Our niche is early to, early to growth. So if you get Series A or B, you know, we're awesome for you because you yeah. can hire fast. Internal recruiters can't do it. No job work to qualify. No matter what they do, it's like real estate. Mm -hmm. Look at everything there is to get your own real estate, but you still want to use a real estate agent because they may know the market a little better. Cool. Makes sense? Yeah, it yeah. does. Thank you. All right, so you decide you're going to go out raise a fund. How big was your first fund for Sierra Maya? Yeah, so you know some of that stuff we can't talk about for SEC purposes, but let's say the first fund was less than $10 million. Okay. It was mine and Eric Kagan, my partner's uh, money, okay. and he's out of Boston. He was my original partner for Sierra Maya. Cool. So once you had that first fund, you're trying to make a splash, right? You're trying to make a brand yep. for yourself as sure. a VC, and it sounds like when you were raising this, like, VC's hot, right? There's a million people that are trying to raise <laughs> sure. funds. What did you do to break out and to create a brand for your VC versus all the other ones that are in Silicon Valley already? Sure. So uh, first off, you know, have a millennium search give me a fast start, mm -hmm. right? A lot of people that start their funds either were operators uh, or geographically did well, right? Then they sold their company. Mm -hmm. Some people came from Wall Street, were bankers, worked at other VCs or private equity. What we did is we're always in the trenches. So it was easy to get deal flow, et cetera. They knew us already, and then it's just like, hey, I got some uh, money, I got a fund, you interested? Sure, you know, we know you Amish, right? So the, the best thing I could tell you, because there's a lot of entrepreneurs here, is you're always gonna have like co-founders and stuff. My partner, Eric King, is completely opposite of me. We call him the buzzkill. He's a <laughs> pessimist, he loves financials, and CTO kind of mine, had a data hosting company, and you know, maybe we'll say five words on a call, and I'll talk 95% of it, which I'm sure you guys all know that by now. <laughs> Um, you know, it's important to find a co-founder to kind of give you guys some life lessons that I think complements you. One of my weaknesses has always been financials. It's not really that, you know, it's not like I can't do anything I put my mind to, but I hate accounting, I hate finance, but of course I know it inside and out. But I'd rather be doing the biz dev, going on TV, selling, you know, being who I am. Let him handle some of that stuff. Not that he doesn't love what we do, it's just 
you know, he loves that stuff, you know? It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, you know, here you go. So you got to find a partner or a founder or founders that complement your skill sets. And Eric did that. Uh, to give you an uh, analogy or actually an example of our chemistry, uh, he was referred to me by my assistant who's out of Boston who knew him for 20 years. We never met. We talked for three hours on the phone. He had the same goals as I did. He just uh, exited, probably popular over 50 million, uh, was doing a lot of angel investing, and he was trying to figure out what to do next. So I told him I was going to start a fund. We talked for three hours. I said, let's just go. Let's go do it. And that's what we did. We never met. We made seven investments in the first three months. Just to give you an idea how fast we move and how much we, you know, we roll and, you know, and he's all about let's date before we get married. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, we, we dated not too long. <laughs> and uh, after three months, I told my wife, I said, honey, I better go fly up to Boston because we already made seven investments. I think this is going to work out pretty good and I need to know who the hell this guy is. Yeah. So we went to our first portfolio company, one of the early ones called Privy in Boston. There are from 500 startups and... Uh, Ben at the time said, how long do you guys know each other? About 20 years? 25? I said, about 20 minutes. You know? <laughs> so uh, that's the kind of chemistry me and Eric have. Uh, complete faith and trust in me. I have complete faith and trust in him. Uh, we, we knew we had something mm -hmm. because what ended up happening is, if anybody remembers the Twitter IPO in 2013, I was on 10 minutes after the bell on CNBC with Maria Bartiramo when she was on CNBC, a closing bell, and all of a sudden analysts started calling me and you know, my phone was ringing off the hook. Mm -hmm. Couple, three weeks later, Amazon did the drone, uh, the drone, I call it the drone stunt, but the PR stunt on drones, and I was on TV four times that week, and uh, that's when we knew we had something. We took an early bet in May of 2013 in a company called Skycatch, which was in the drone space, when everyone, no one knew what I was talking about, like at all, and besides drones were hitting Afghanistan, and just bombing everything. Yeah. So what we saw was, we took a bet onto a company called Skycatch, guy was an ex, and this, this will give you an idea of what we look for, ex-Navy SEAL, passionate, big vision, um, failed, which we love, uh, about 38, 39 years old at the time, mature, no pre-revenue, um, you know, he was hustling, and he was following up, I had 24 hours to get into the deal, just to give you guys an idea, I knew I had something, because I was looking at the drone space, he was getting guys like Tony Shway from Zappos, he was getting guy, uh, Ram Sriram, he wrote the first check to the Google guys. Uh, he's a billionaire now, obviously. He's okay. on the board. Um, he was getting some like amazing investors, and you don't get that unless you have something. Um, I wish I knew everything, but I don't. Uh, what we did is we got into that deal, but the reason we got into that deal, and you know, one of the things I want to let you guys know, like what we look for, is a lot of people are just like, yeah, you know, I'm okay with the 3x or 5x or 10x or whatever. No, I want to know your vision. I was talking to a company on the way down, Jeff will probably tell you, yeah, we only need like forty thousand. I'm like forty thousand, uh, maybe one hundred and thirty. I'm like one hundred and thirty. I'm like, I'm like, what are you trying to do here? And I'm like, well, you need to start. And it's a Charlotte company. And I think one of the challenges in the South is, I'm finding people like are getting suppressed because they don't have people like me that are telling them go get it, go for it. You could do it, you know. So his big vision was, and he goes, people think I'm crazy. I said, no, I want to hear it. I want to know why you're crazy. He goes, I see drone highways. I, and this is before Amazon or anything. And I'm like, you know what? If we're going to take a bet on an entrepreneur, it's this guy. Yeah. Now they just raised that like 200 million or something. Google Ventures led their round. So you know, in two, what a few years, it's a pretty good. Uh, yeah, hell yeah. There. So, <clears throat> is it conviction that stands out? So I mean, let's look in the audience, right? We got a lot of people here. They got startups. They either raised a seed round. They're looking to raise a mm -hmm. seed round. They're looking to get that first 
checking the mm-hmm. bank so they can really scale. Sure. I mean, what you're talking about, yeah, right, of course I want to get ROM from the board of Google to invest, but like, help me understand as an entrepreneur in Charleston, yep. how do I position myself in a way that's attractive to you to show that my business and vision are going to be a billion-dollar company. So a quick break from the Startup Grind podcast for some recent startup headlines. A ransomware-infected version of the transmission BitTorrent client has been downloaded 6,500 times according to the company's reps. Hackers breached the server and replaced a version 2.9 disk image with an infected copy. The malware encrypts user data and demands cryptocurrency payment for the unlock code. Portions of the 2016 Olympic Games in Rio are set to be shot in 8K super high vision video. The broadcast will be exclusive to Japan, which plans to broadcast the 2020 Tokyo Olympics in 8K. Virtual reality footage of the opening and closing ceremonies and of select sports will be available globally. The FCC is set to propose a $9.25 monthly broadband subsidy for low-income households. The commission says while 95% of households with more than $150,000 in income have broadband, only 48% of under $25,000 income households do. The subsidy is part of an overhaul for the $2 billion Lifeline phone subsidy program. Let's get back to the interview with Amish Shah. First, either hit Jeremy's or Jeff's account, wire some money. There we no, go. Um, no, on a serious note, is put yourself out there, right? There's a lot of things, and it's funny, in Charlotte, nobody knows this stuff, and I have to like tell it all the time, and I have no problem telling people down here. Get on AngelList, okay? There are angels on there. there you know, I get emails 20, 30 times a day from there. Make sure your profile is working. It works. You know, there's people out there that'll look at you. Um, so AngelList... Get yourself on Mattermark. How many how many companies here or founders are on AngelList? Okay. Not bad. A little better. What about Mattermark? Has anyone ever put their company on Mattermark? Great. You gotta get into places that we're looking all the time. You gotta get some kind of press. You gotta get some kind of buzz. You gotta get some kind of I'd say first off, we want to see friends, family money, or your own. Okay? So if you have money, you know, you invested, you went all in. Second we wanna see is, you know, I'm sure there's some angels in Char- Charleston, right? or some other area, try to get some angel money. Try to get some people that could open up the network. I know I met Dave, who's here in the crowd today, and, you know, if Dave gives me a call and says, I got a company here, great. Bud Watts I met today. You know, we're here to build relationships because I'm not going to be here all the time, right? Maybe you can talk to Jeremy or whatever, like, hey, I got something for you. And, you know, try to put yourself out there, especially when Dick South comes. And it doesn't mean you need to talk to him for an hour. You just need to figure out how you're going to get to him. Uh, I read every email. I get three to 400 emails a day. I respond to every email. I'm one of the few that do that. Usually, I got a two and a four-year-old now that are getting sick all the time. Usually, like my rule is within an hour, I'm responding. Even if I can't tell you exactly, I'm like, hey, I'm slammed. I'm on a road trip. I'll be back by Friday. And I, and I don't think enough VCs do that. But I also have Jeff. I also have John. I also have Justin. I also have other people on my team. Their job is to make sure I don't miss anything. So a lot of times I hear that, Oh, well, you're not, you're not talking to Mark Andreessen. You're talking to a different partner and associate. I'm like, who gives a shit? I'm like, you're talking to Andreessen, Andreessen Horowitz. Their job is to get you in front of them so you don't waste their time. So I'd say, um, you know, make sure your profiles, even, I get tweeted, I get Facebooked, I get LinkedIn. I mean, I love that stuff. It's, it's, and, you know, through our website. But the biggest thing is, I'll tell you what not to do as well. Don't Please. send me that, you know, uh, your business plan. I, I don't even look at business plans. I care about you. Like when I, Jeremy set me up with some people today, I want to know your story, where you're from, you know, what's your background, who are you? We like, you know, we have a rule, we can't have a beer with you if you don't drink, that's fine. Tea's fine or coffee, but if we can't have a beer with you, if you're not real, we're not going to invest in you. 
we're not looking for big egos. Been there, done that. You know, they don't, you know, they don't do well at the early stage. Uh, everyone's going to have to pivot. I mean, it's rare I don't see someone pivot. And, and that could mean two founders have a founder split. That could mean, you know, you get venture money and somebody's on your board and you open up a different vertical. So don't get set as business plans. Be quick to the point. Um, we didn't even get into what Siramaya does yet, which we will. We're getting there. But, uh, you know, Hollywood's a whole different animal. They don't have time. It's quick, short, you know, paragraph or a couple bullets and you're done. Uh, 30 seconds, you got the pitch, you're done. Sports world, it's, it's a lot of layers, right? You got agents, you got owners, you got players, GMs. And then you got the tech world, VCs, and then the tech world. We're actually a lot nicer and cooler than all the, than Hollywood and sports. Trust me on that. Um, and we don't want anything. We'll talk to you for free, you know. But uh, but the, but the other thing, don't do is don't be a stalker. I mean, I get stalked. I actually had Jeff's laughing. I had someone <laughs> had his wife follow me on Twitter, tweet me, "You got to talk to my husband." And all that. It came from a really good friend, and I and I just forwarded it to him. And then the ne- and I told him like, dude. You got to tell this guy to back off, yeah. And then I said, I'll talk to him, but only because he came from you. He's like, hey, I'm really sorry. I really appreciate you talking to him. After I talked to him, and I was totally nice, and I gave him some tips, he asked for a reference to Damon John, because I know Damon John, so does Tony really well. I'm like, dude, I'm like, out of all all respect, I I I love the hustle, I love the persistence, but I can't do it. And whether you like it or not, it's like, but that's just way too much. And it was like this ugly golf putter. (laughs) <laughs> Out of all things in the world, and I'm a big golfer, it was the ugliest golf putter I've ever seen. So, anyway. I respect that. Yeah. I respect the hustle, terrible approach. Um, so going back to Sierra Maya, you yeah. moved your, or you started the VC firm in Charlotte. Yeah. Why Charlotte? And tell us about the, the firm that you started. So I moved to Charlotte for. seven years ago. My wife's originally from the Charlotte area. Uh, she's seven years younger than me, and uh, we decided to start a family there. We loved it down there. She's originally from there. Um, call it, you know. It's very, very like Charleston, just not a beach, right? Quality of life, real estate, um, you know, I just thought they would have had a better family life, and I hate the cold. I'm a big golfer, and, uh, you know, we love it there. So now we got a two-year-old and a four-year-old, and uh, I see, you know, in the first, I'd say in 2013, there wasn't much happening in Charlotte in the startup scene. Okay. We had zero co-working spaces when I was there. Now we have, well, three years ago we had one, Packer Place. Now we have eight. Um, you know, it's amazing when uh, 90% of the crowd at Startup Grind, maybe 95% are from out of state. We got one of the top relocation areas. Um, there's, you know, Red Ventures, you guys probably heard of, is a billion dollar company. Avid Exchange now is about 700 million. Um, so there's definitely a void. There's a lot of great ideas. And what we want to do is bring in the contacts and relationships we have. There's a company called Brew Public. If you, ha- if you haven't heard from them, look them up. They're a craft beer delivery. We took them under our wing, and they're crushing it right now. We just got them into 500 startups. So, Sweet. All right. Well, I'm going to ask uh, one more question, then we'll open it up for Q&A. But <clears throat> as an investor, you're trying to invest in the future. What are you most excited about? Uh, God, I think it's a great time to be an entrepreneur. I think it's great. You know, you hear all this stuff about tech, et cetera. That's in the public markets. There's so, ma- there's so many things out there that help you with your company that weren't around even 10 years ago or even five years ago. First off, you have all these co-working spaces. You have all these incubators and accelerators. There's government money. There's you know a lot of exits where people like I live in Charlotte, but I actually even make side investments in companies because I like them. So there's people out there. There's high net worth people. There's crowdfunding platforms. The route, the Jobs Act's changing. Um, you know, there's a lot of huge trends. I mean, I got this drone from the Drone Racing League where Jeremy could turn on. 
and you know he's got to pass around. Nobody's nobody else in the world has this except me right now. Just, you know. but, Don't break uh, it. But you know the world is awesome. I mean, you know, there's so many great ideas. They want to be the Formula One of yeah, racing. Talk about this. This thing's pretty sweet. Yeah, I mean, so the Drone Racing League, right? You put your virtual reality glasses on. It's going to be in 60 minutes this month. It's on. You know, they're on the Today Show. They're everywhere. They just launched last week, and it's a little heavy. But they want to be the Formula One of drones. It's period. awesome. And the guy's got huge vision. They're launching. It's awesome. So, you know, it's not your personal drone that you're messing around with. It's, 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 some, it's the real deal. But, uh, but give you guys a little quick on CRMI 360. Um, you know, I know we don't have a lot of time, but I'll make it quick. Take your time. It's, it's important. Yeah. I mean, you know, the biggest thing what we're doing is we're bridging Hollywood sports and technology, right? And if you ever tried Hollywood, I mean, I'm not a Hollywood guy. You know, I'm not, you know, I love sports, but that's a whole other dynamic. People, you know, are like, okay, what are these guys really doing? Well, the unfair advantages we have is, one, Millennium Search and Recruiting we talked about. I got a partner in Silicon Valley, 30 years in Silicon Valley, have billions under management. Jeff Jordan, who's on the board of Airbnb and a partner at Andrews and Horowitz, is his buddy. He's been on the Benchmark Jet seven times. I mean, Benchmark's in Facebook and Uber and you name it. So, I mean, we have a heavyweight in Silicon Valley, but then we have a heavyweight who's been on TV 6,000 times. How many of you guys have been on TV? Okay. Did you know what you were doing? Were you nervous? Were you scared? Did you know how to prep? I didn't know what was happening. Okay. <laughs> That's my point. Local news. Even when I go on TV, I mean, you know, he's helped me a lot. I mean, what happens if you go on TV and you rock it? You get to go on again, you know? So what happens if we get you on Shark Tank, right? When we, when we were doing all this, Shark Tank was just in its infancy. When we're doing all this, we could get people on Good Morning America. Brew Public will be on Good Morning America tomorrow. What happens if, to your brand if we could do that? It's a phone call for us. But what does it do? You're a household name, right? What happens to your valuation? It goes up. That's what we care about, right? So, I mean, what we could do is we could get the right celebrity, um, you know, because of Tony's trusted network. Tony Potts was on Access Hollywood for 11 years. He's on our website. You can see videos. He's been done the Oscars 13 times. He's filled in for Regis, um, Larry King. He's uh, got the same lawyer as Ashton Kutcher, Will I Am, Will Smith, Michael Eisner. When they have a pizza party at his lawyers, all these guys are just hanging out, talking. He's a business partner with Damon John and Troy Carter. We got Sidestep, one of our portfolio companies at the Smash Labs, which is Troy Carter's incubator for entertainment. They're actually going to be 9 a.m. tomorrow. You'll see a press release on TechCrunch. They're pitching at the Super Bowl. We made that happen. So there's things we do. We don't care where you are. We don't care what you look like. We don't judge you. We don't care, you know, we don't care anything. We care more about you, your vision, your passion, your idea, and how can we put everything we have using our 360 approach you know, whether it's a celebrity, whether it's getting you on TV, whether it's a being a feeder fund. So Mark, uh, Mark Andreessen and Jeff Jordan take a meeting with you because Glenn knows them and we know them and we're not giving them crap, right? I'm sure there's a couple companies out here that we could do that for. Okay. But now in the Southeast, we see tremendous, tremendous uh, opportunity. We feel like that um, the, the, biggest, the biggest VC is $30 million. It's a friend of our David Jones from Bull City in Raleigh. No, Dave went to UNC. Oh, yeah, he did. Got the whole guy. Yeah. So I talked to Dave, and he's like, man, I can't wait till you do this and raise a larger fund. We're raising close to $100 million. We'll be the largest fund in the Southeast. That's why I wanted to come down here and take advantage of this. My partners love going everywhere. We've been to Atlanta. We've been to Nashville. We've been to Charlotte. been to Raleigh, uh, Miami. You name it. So we see there's tremendous opportunity. Stan was nice enough to invite us to dig south. There he is. He's the man, Stan the man. Uh, so we're going to be there. We're going to put ourselves out there. Uh, we're already in these circles. I mean, I could talk about myself all day long, but Google us, take a look at our website. We're authentic. We're real. We're not looking at you from ivory tower like a lot of VCs do. 
You know, I gave tips to, was it Baird? You talk? Yeah, right. I told him, this is what you need to do your motto and pivot. He's already on it. We sent him some links. And if he does, we're interested, right? Don't tell anybody. They might steal your idea. Uh, but any way we can help you, I mean, we will. If that means in Charlotte we have to have a meeting and I need you to get you some clients, we will. If we need to help you with your debt, we will. So it's not just about the money. We're going to be doing this for a long time. Uh, we've already got, you know, we got institutions. we got A-listers in our fund, like the top people you can think about in the world. Um, I, I can't name them because I know someone's taping me right now, right? But we got professional sports teams. Let's just say one of them, one of the owners was in the NBA Finals last year. There's only two that were, so you can think. They didn't win. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So he, he's going to be in our fund. Um, there's a lot of cool people. I'm on the board with Jared Leto. You might know who he is. 30 Seconds to Mars or the Dallas Buyers Club. But it's just our world. Like, we're very humble. We're down to earth. We're real. We're out there. And, uh, you know, if you got an idea, go for it. I mean, use the resources you have here from Stan to Jeremy to David to whoever that could help you get hooked into a lot of these networks because that's what it's all about. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. All right, we got time for a few questions. Who we got in the back right? You said you did seven deals in three months. Are you still? We've actually done forty-six deals. That was in the first three months. In the first three months. So would you say your criteria is very much about the person, or has changed over time? And your vision has changed over time. So eighty percent of what we do is seed A and B. I'd say out of that eighty percent, if you break that down into a hundred percent, I'd say ninety percent seed. Okay. So yeah, we're still about the entrepreneurs. So you got to have big visions, big market caps. We talk to. I mean. Brew Public is a craft beer delivery. I mean, I, didn't, I don't even... I started drinking craft beer. I'm a wine guy. I didn't know nothing about beer, okay? But once you look at a $30 billion market, once you look at the guys growing 20% a month, 100% quarter to quarter, once you see you get in a low valuation, all I got to do is replicate this city by city, get Uber and Postmates involved. Now they're in San Francisco trying to launch, right? They'll be in Charleston in a couple months. But it's awesome. You know, so it's really, I never, if you ask me, I would never have thought of investing in a craft beer startup. I would have never thought of investing in a drone racing league. I mean, really? You know, but, you know, it's, uh, it's really, know your market. I don't, we don't care if it's a consumer product. We looked at a 24 karat gold vodka, $500 bottle. I got the only one in North America at my house, by the way. Did you drink it? I drank the other one. <laughs> the other one's of his billionaire investor that wants to invest. He loves vodka, so... If he doesn't come in, I'll operate for our next startup line. All right, deal. Yeah. I'll hold you to that. Yeah. Yeah. So, do you have particular industry sectors that you look at? And <clears throat> what sort of stage do you expect companies to be at? So, traditional venture, they do. Uh, traditional, right? You got healthcare VCs, you got digital media VCs, cyber. We don't care. We, we're in everything from gaming companies, drone companies, uh, ad tech, e commerce startups, cyber, fintech. And, you know, we're in everything and anything. We looked at the beauty and fashion space, which we think is really hot. Tony's got a huge background out of there in L.A. We've looked at, um, gosh, bridging Hollywood sports and technology just means that we have those resources and, and ties. But, I mean, we've, we've, we're in able lending. We're yeah. in e-shares. I mean, e-shares is awesome. If, you, if you're a startup, you've got to use e-shares. It's awesome. Yeah. Were you, so able lending came from the uh, mail one. What was it called? The mail one? Um, I know the founders. The company would, like, literally pick up your mail, Austin. scan it. And then 
send you a scan. So they had like a reverse mail thing where they would take a car and they would pick up your mail, scan it, and then email it to you. No, label lending but is more about the crowdfunding. Evan, okay. Evan Bear yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, the other guy started this other crazy mail company before okay. they pivoted to Able. Okay. I was curious if you're crazy Jeremy enough. Knows more than me. Were you crazy yeah, enough to invest in the mail company? Well, the reason we invested is that actually they got Mike Maples in there and Floodgate, Floodgate and a couple yeah. like huge investors. Okay. They actually asked us to come into the deal. So what's yeah. happening with us is we're getting a name and they want us in the deal because we have strengths that they don't. Right. So what stage do you want to come to be at before? I mean, it sounds like you're in pretty early. So. I mean, we're in pre-revenue companies. I mean, there's a company, Full Color Games, that I might have a deck of cards on me. Yeah. Let me pass this around. Yeah. Here, you can start over here. So, you know, pre-revenue three years ago, I think he's going to be the Steve Jobs of gaming. There's only one company that's ever changed a deck of cards. Anyone know who changed a deck of cards? No, I know Jeff knows. <laughs> Uno. How many people play Uno? They still do $100 million, and it's Uno. He's actually in London launching right now, and you can check out the website, Full Color Games. The guy's unbelievable. He's a machine. Works that, literally works, and I work a lot. I probably sleep four hours, five hours, 20 hours a day, nonstop. I've never met anyone you know, like this in my life, <laughs> and he's an inventor. He left a cushy Bel Air, L.A., Hollywood, dropped everything, lives out of his condo, has, doesn't have any money, and he's Sell just the deck of cards. And now he's changing a deck of cards, so it changes the gambling games, blackjack, poker, slots, etc. So it's going to be in gaming. It's going to be in real money gaming. It's going to be in social casinos. It's I'm, just go look at full color games and take take a look at that deck. It's amazing. Yeah, I think that's. Goes but back but to, to answer your question, we don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. I think the deck of cards story just like nails the vision piece, right? Mm -hmm. Like anyone come up with a deck of cards, but if you sell the vision, that's right. Totally different story. Yeah. All right, next question, Ben. How long are you in town for? Let's see. Uh, we're meeting someone at 1015. I think Benefits Focus founders or something like that. I don't even know who they are. Um, I'm sure you guys do. I used to work with Okay, yeah. Uh, they called us. Um, and then somebody else at 11, and we're out of here at 12. So I'm here till tomorrow. I'll be back. Anything before 1015? Yeah, I'm around all night. I'm <laughs> I'm, you can even meet at the rooftop bar. The there we go. All right, rock up. Yeah. Um, so you, you mentioned about Boston and Silicon Valley, and yeah. the other part of uh, it about you know you meet people here where they're talking about forty thousand, hundred thousand, yeah. So even those two, um, I moved from Boston and then to Silicon Valley and then here, and I tried to raise money here. It was easier for me to raise from Boston and Silicon Valley being here you know, than from here. And part of the uh, problem is it's expensive. The, and that's probably one of the reasons why a lot of entrepreneurs are looking for like smaller moves or smaller rounds. So, uh, you know, in, from your perspective, like what, what's it, like how, how does it compare or how, how's it different here? If all is being equal, yeah. you know, would someone should look for, you know, Silicon Valley investment or should go for local? Well, well let's not fool ourselves. Silicon Valley Silicon Valley. Right. We're never going to be Silicon Valley. Charlotte's not, Charleston's not, Atlanta's close, but not even that close. We're never going to be, it's like Wall Street. You, know, you can't compete. It's like Hollywood. If you want to make movies, go to Hollywood. You can do them in Charleston, but That's Hollywood's where you got to be, right? You got to have an office there. Mm -hmm. But to answer your question, I mean, I feel like there's enough value where you could actually start in Charleston, get money here, scale, prove the concept, validate it in the Southeast, and there's no reason why you can't get money from other areas like you did. And then it doesn't mean you can't have a satellite office there. Um, does that make sense? Yeah. Because you want to be there. I mean, right. you know, I mean, if you're going to be huge, which is what we want you to be, you know, <laughs> uh, I think what you're really trying to get to is that what I find here, what a lot of people are doing wrong, 
it's okay if you don't pay yourselves. You know, some people pay themselves a thousand or three thousand a month, which is fine. I get it where we live, but we want to we want to make sure that you're paying your bills and you're living. Seriously, you don't have to pay yourself a hundred thousand dollars, right? Especially down here. But if you look at it, the valuations are lower, et cetera. But we want to make sure you're committed in the next five, ten years. It's a long game. So you got to make sure you have enough that your wife's happy, your significant other's happy, your kids, everything. You can pay your Because once you're stressed, everybody else is going to be stressed. It's over. All right, time for one more question, then we'll do the Dick South mashup. Uh, Justin. I can't hear you. One more time, Justin. So some companies pivot because they can't work out their business model, and others don't seem to care about business model and work out later. So my perspective is, I don't think it's because they can't work out their business model. I think their business model might be working. But what happens is, you might find something better, right? I mean, if you bring me in, like Republic, uh, Jeff made a couple intros to Roaring Riot. I got Uber involved. I got Postmates involved. They just can't do it. There's a reason for you know, there's a reason why a good VC you want to use. We've been there, done that, right? We built companies. I'm in 46 other companies. I'm on the board of over 10. I advise like 20. I'm on the board of billionaires. I'm on the board with all these people. I know what's going on. I know how they handle themselves. There's a lot of knowledge we have. There's a lot of relationships. So I might be able to tell you that, hey, you need to do just this, this, and this. Or why aren't you going after corporate? Oh, well, we're thinking about B2B. I'm like, B2B is where it's at. I'm like, go to these corporate startup places. Go, you know, while you're in San Francisco, sign up LinkedIn and Yelp. What happens if you get a Google as a client? What happens if they got, we got them Red Ventures as a client in Charlotte? They're huge. They got like 2,000 people, right? So if you're delivering beer to them every week, 2,000 people telling you one beer is a lot of beer, you know? So uh, to answer your question, I think everyone's going to have to figure it out and pivot. But, you know, listen to your customers, right? Take chances. I mean, I'm all about, you're going to find something. So, yeah, one more question right there. Is that you? Yeah, I was going to ask you about valuation. Okay. What's your question? What's your approach, especially with a pre-revenue, startup? How do you get to a number? We take a dartboard. Me and Jeff, we go like that, and we get it. Uh, no, I mean, there's a lot of things out there. I mean, we're so to finish up, some of the things I think that are going to be huge is esports. Uh, anyone know anything about esports out here? League of Legends, Counter Strike, etc. We've talked to 10 teams. It's going to be big news for buying a team. It's going to be the biggest news you're going to hear in esports. Uh, a lot of investors are going that route. And the hardest problem we had, it comes back to your question of valuation, is we have no idea how to value them. It's an esports team, right? I mean, what the hell do I know about esports? <laughs> Nothing, right? But I learned it. I talked to the top lawyers. I talked to every company. I tried to figure out what their valuation is. Um, I looked at the space. I looked at the potential. I looked at their revenues. I looked at their financials. So there's, there's, there's no, like, everyone's different. At the early stage, it's very difficult because it is pre-revenue, etc. So we'll try to find competitors. We'll try to find competitors that are close. We'll try to find out, you know, what's the potential that you could actually hit your numbers. Maybe you're showing, like, a couple of months of revenue or customers. And we'll just try to figure it out. Does that make sense? There really, I mean, if anyone tells you there's a system, there's no system behind it. There really isn't. And, and I'll tell you what, we may not give you as much as you want where another VC may. Take, you know, take smart money, but take as high of a valuation as you can get. Uh, but when you're pre-revenue you know, and you got to survive, it's a different story. Does that make sense? We did. We got in. So that's in that 20% of late stage when you don't have to look at anything. We, our, our whole thing was if Uber's going to do be at 50, 60 billion, which they're like 60 something right now, we got in at 2 billion. And our good thing was if they're even half as good, 
we're going to make a 10 or 15x. Um, so they actually just raised that like 5.5 or 5.9. So it's already a 3x in a year. So does that make sense? So, so part of it is, for us, is making money for our investors, right? So that's our formula. So. All right.